Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you're anywhere in the GovCon world, this podcast is for you. Our topic today is the incredibly frightening act of sharing your ideas before they're complete, before they're ready, or before you think they're ready. As usual, this episode is sponsored by Skyway Acquisition and the Skyway community. Check it out at skywaymember.com. Talk a little more about that at the end. All right, let's get started. I was speaking at a, on a webinar recently, and one of the other presenters, they talked about some of the changes that may happen to the CARES Act now that it has been exposed to fresh air, meaning that it was viewable to the public and you know those that it's actually going to affect. The CARES Act is that uh, Coronavirus Relief Act that was passed very quickly when, when the pandemic began to provide relief to U.S. citizens, I'll say. It's a great example of what happens when there isn't any fresh air. The act itself became law and had a lot of inconsistencies, a lot of confusing language, a lot of unintended consequences. Now, in the case of the CARES Act, it made sense to write it fast and and make it into law fast without the fresh air. It had to happen fast. It couldn't wait for collaboration and communication. The authors knew it wasn't perfect, and they knew that it was going to have to be updated almost immediately. But it was more important to launch it right away than to have it be well-written. That's not usually the case, though. Unless, Unless there is a pandemic, it's usually more helpful to expose it to fresh air, let people see it. Yeah, this concept of of fresh air, the the impact can be dramatic, right? Some things have a a dramatic reaction when they're exposed to fresh air. Like an apple, when you you take a bite out of an apple and it starts to oxidize, it's because it's been exposed to fresh air. It kind of turns brown on you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) It turns out that aluminum, when it's exposed to air, it tarnishes and... I actually looked this up. The reason we build out of aluminum is that you get this layer. What do they call it? uh, Passive. Passivating? Called a passivating layer of oxide. (laughs) It basically means that once you get that layer of tarnish, it stays. But it's when aluminum is exposed to air, it tarnishes, right? Or in the case of of white phosphorus, when it exposed to air above 122 degrees Fahrenheit-ish, according to the science, it explodes. <laughs> so that's a dramatic impact. And so in, in somewhere in between those three examples is what we're trying to settle. I like how you said, it, according to science, the phosphorus doesn't actually care whether science thinks it's going to explode Fair or not. Enough. It just does. <laughs> All right. Before we get any more into exposing government contracts to fresh air and the potential explosions that could result, let's stop and say thanks. Thanks this week goes to Victoria Metchley. Victoria is the business development manager for construction services at TEPA. And she's in Kansas City, Missouri. She recently joined the Skyway community. And during our welcome call, she filled me in on how she found our podcast and what she likes about it and how she uses the content. So I want to thank Victoria for liking our podcast on LinkedIn and for joining the community and for taking the time to give me her detailed feedback on our podcast. The best way for us to get better week after week and to continue to serve our listeners is for people like Victoria to share their stories. Thanks, Victoria. All right, what are we talking about today? Talking about exposing your ideas to fresh air. One of my favorite Steve Jobs quotes is, real artists ship. 
as in you finish something enough to actually ship it, you know, to get it out in front of the world, to expose it to air. And so in GovCon, exposing our work like a requirement, the spec, the draft RFP, the RFP, the, the basics of the proposal plan, that opens us up to feedback uh, from industry and from government. And some of that feedback can be uncomfortable. It actually causes us more work because we have to answer questions and it takes extra time. So it feels, you know, like a waste or painful or something <laughs> like that. There's a fear factor there that makes you want to wrap your arms around your your work and and not let anybody see it because as soon gonna, as I let them see my ideas, then I got to deal with their opinions about it. Exactly. <laughs> and I had backlash from exposing ideas to fresh air too early, right? So as a contracting officer, I used to use a different approach and put it out in front of the world through a draft RFP and man, industry jumped on me. And then as a consultant, I would guide a, a, one of our customers through a sticky part of the FAR and they'd never seen it that way. So it, 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 was, it met with, with frustration. In between the frustration and the perfection, there's this sweet spot of you want to release it early enough that people can understand the idea because it has some shape. But if you're late, like you said, if you hold on to your baby for too long, by the time you release it, they've missed opportunity. You've missed opportunity to give feedback and you know, you're, you're operating in a vacuum. Yeah, I remember the trepidation as a contracting officer to to let my acquisition plan or RFP see the light of day and, and taste that fresh air. I mean, first, you have to get through whatever layers of internal reviews are required just to expose it outside the government, just to release it. Then you're afraid that if it's not mature enough, you're going to get blistered by industry questions and maybe even have pre-award protests if it doesn't make any sense at all. And, and it's just that implication of you don't know what you're doing. And, and for some of us that uh, tend to be perfectionists, there's, there's always that fear that I don't want this. I don't want anybody to see it until it's perfect. It's funny that you could say that about our podcast episodes. We probably tinker with them way too long. Yeah, and they're still not anywhere as good as I would like them to be. But <laughs> exactly, because you, you, you're the perfectionist. But you broke me of that, Mr. Real Artist Ship. After you ship that, that draft RFP out there, you deal with the industry questions. You deal with internal questions from, from government folks based on the questions and the answers that you have to give. Then you have to get more reviews of the final product to get the final product out the door. And at any point along there, you could get a protest if you're not answering a question well enough or if someone doesn't like the way your acquisition plan is heading. So what I'm saying is the tendency, many people want to withhold that information and keep it all close to the vest, as they say, so that they don't have to deal with all that pain. The longer we tinker, the longer we, we leave our plant insulated, you know, we hold on to it, the longer we keep it from fresh air the harsher the reaction may be. We may have thought we had an apple that you know, was just going to be a little bit uh, browned by oxygen, but we actually had phosphorus. <laughs> or we thought we had phosphorus and I'm like, I'm, I'm like eyes closed and you know, reaching out the window to expose this thing to the world. And they go, oh, that makes complete sense, which that happened once. It was really funny. <laughs> but either way, we, we, we don't know until we expose it to air. And, and honestly, if it's, a, if it's phosphorus, is it going to blow up? The sooner we find that out, the better. So yeah. expose the work to fresh air earlier and take that risk of if it's that bad, if it's that confusing, if the requirement's not that clear, if this acquisition strategy really isn't going to be executable, the sooner we know that, the better. Yeah. How do you, how do you usually say that? Um, if we don't have time to do it once, we don't have time to do yeah, it if we, twice. If we don't I, have time to do it, 
if we don't have time to do it right the first time, how are we going to find time to do it again? Yeah. So better, better to have it blow up while it's still a small problem than after the final RFP is released and you have to do all kinds of formal things that require more reviews, more, more people involved to get them fixed. The I've sooner, done that too. <laughs> the sooner you expose it, the easier it is to change it, to, to prevent that explosion in, in our little story here. Let's link this to the acquisition and execution time zones. When does this happen in the acquisition process? Can start as early as the requirement zone. Many times as a contracting officer, we worked up a draft requirement and shopped it out in industry and said, help us make sure that this requirement will help us buy what we want to buy. And in some cases, as I've told stories on the podcast before, we actually went out to the industry players that we knew could satisfy this very complex requirement and worked with them to refine the requirement to make sure that they could satisfy it with the minimal amount of changes to their current processes possible in order to save time and money and lower risk. So it starts as early as the requirement zone. Market research zone, this is where we're really talking about exposing it to air, getting that back and forth. Lots of air circulating during the market research zone. <laughs> Lots of oxidizing happening. Right, right. During the RFP zone, not the ideal time. That's when the final RFP has been released. But that's when contractors are really, really reading that RFP in detail and have the ability to ask questions. So still there's a little bit of air circulation going on there when the questions then get asked and posted to everyone, that's really what it feels like you're getting your, your RFP exposed to air. Cause now you have to answer a question and post it for the world. So everybody gets the same answers in the execution time zones, in the honeymoon zone, the first place this shows up is okay. Now we have an actual contract. <laughs> Let's make sure that, that now we're looking at what, what the result of it being exposed to air. Is it really going to work the way we planned throughout the performance zone? Things will happen. Changes may happen, uh, industry changes may happen, requirements to get modified, tweaked, et cetera. I mean, performance happens, right? So it's being exposed to air the entire time. And then during the recompete zone, now we can say, okay, what actually worked when we expose this to air next time? What did we learn, right? Yeah. Should we expect the same result? Yeah, that recompete zone is back to the beginning of the requirements and market research zone. Remember that the zones overlap at that point. The recompete zone for an existing program is the requirement zone and market research zone for the follow-on program, the next time you're going to buy something like that. And if you're not familiar with the acquisition time zones, they're in episode number three. And the execution time zones, we cover those in episode 84. Let's focus on why the government cares about exposing things to fresh air. Think of this as the acquisition strategy. That's the thing we're exposing to fresh air. That's the plan to award, okay? So exposing the acquisition strategy as soon as possible does a lot of good things. For example, it drives communication. We talk about that all the time, is that you're, you're going to have more communication. It eliminates unqualified offers because they'll self-eliminate. They'll realize, wow, this, this doesn't make sense at all for what, I wanna, what, I, what I'm capable of doing. If you've, actually, they, if you've actually shared what, as much as possible is what it's about, right? Correct. Yeah. It decreases the chances of, of contract troubles down the road, like where the requirement was a little bit different than expected. And because we didn't expose it to fresh air, the core contracting officer representative is frustrated with me because I can't put it on the contract. It wasn't in scope. It wasn't exposed to fresh air. Now it's something new. There's a story behind that, but you get the point is that the more exposure the overall acquisition strategy has to fresh air, the more effective it's going to be. 
the more effective the acquisition strategy is going to be and the more effective your contract is going to be at delivering what you need it to deliver. Which is the whole point of this. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right, deliver yeah. something that somebody needs, right? Right. It also helps reduce protests, both pre-award protests about your acquisition strategy and post-award because the more you communicate, the more people understand. And it's that lack of understanding that drives protests, as we've talked about many times. It also refines the evaluation criteria because by exposing it to exposing the acquisition strategy to fresh air and letting people see what the evaluation criteria are going to be, you're more likely to understand are these really meaningful criteria. Likewise, those who are committed early, the offers who are from the industry who's committed early, they're going to give you feedback based on you exposing the acquisition strategy to fresh air. And the earlier they give you feedback, the earlier you can make adaptations to make the overall program better. Yeah, you can learn a lot about who's really qualified to do this by the quality of their questions, by the quality of their feedback. Not exposing acquisition strategies to fresh air, it drives a lot of guessing from industry because they're thinking, well, I guess they're going to do it the same as they did last time. I guess they're going to award it on GSA schedule. I guess that they're going to do this as an LPT. All these guesses, right? Uh, it also drives frustration because they don't know how to win. And therefore, they start emailing you and asking questions because they got to know. They got to know what they're going to Should they even be bidding? Should this even be in their pipeline? They're going, and I, again, I always wondered, why is everybody pinging me about this contract? Well, because it's going to renew next year and they want to know if they should actually pay attention to it. <laughs> right, not, right, right. And, and not exposing the strategy to, to fresh air also assumes that the best answers are in the room, meaning that we, we think we know all. And the number of times that I held on to the acquisition plan and then we put it in front of industry and they went, that's a horrible idea. Here's 17 reasons. And I thought, wow, I wish I had known that two months ago. It's funny that the older I get, the the less I know. The, <laughs> I, I, under, I understand on a day-by-day basis how little I know. When I, when I was younger, man, I thought I knew everything. If you don't expose your acquisition strategy and all your draft documents to that fresh air, industry is going to have a harder time understanding the requirement you're going to have a harder time understanding whether or not industry can actually meet your requirement the way it's written. We already talked about the potential for protests because of that lack of understanding. And in the end, without the context, without the communication back and forth, you may end up to awarding to a, a less than ideal or even less than capable industry partner, less than capable awardee. Bottom line is, will the RFP be an Apple or, or will it be phosphorus? <laughs> what we want is an inert RFP. We want an inert substance. We don't <laughs> right. want it to react. We just want to show it to the world and they go, okay, that makes sense. And there isn't a really a huge reaction. That's a big ask, <laughs> but that's the goal. <laughs> from, the, from the industry side, that's exactly what you want. You don't, you don't want anything that, that blows up. You want to understand exactly how it's going to react when it's released. And without context, industry's guessing of, of how, how reactive of a substance your RFP is. Industry has to guess. They have to imagine what your approach is going to be. And a lot of times they default to what did you do last time? Even if it was five years ago and the requirement has changed a lot, industries, all they have to go on is, well, the last RFP looked like this. And the reason they're doing that is during your market research and draft RFP time, Industry is actually writing their proposal or at least writing a solid draft. They got to get ahead of it because when you release it and say you have 30 days to submit 7,000 pages of proposal <laughs> artifacts, right? There's no way to do that. You got to write it ahead of time. 
And we talked about that on a million other podcasts too. The more they have to guess, the more chances that they're going to guess wrong. And when that request for proposal finally comes out, when your solicitation comes out, the contractors who are, are wrong enough, who have guessed wrong, they may not be able to catch up and submit a proposal that, that's awardable or, or, or that, that can win, right? They may have picked the wrong teammates. They may have some flaws in their design. You know, some, some parts of what they were thinking they were supposed to deliver just don't make sense when they see the final one. And there's not enough time to redesign it in, in time to come up with a story that, that allows them to win. They may have over-designed or under-designed what you need. Or they say, what, what? This is a small business set aside. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> right. That, that, and that's, that's happened. Large businesses have spent a lot of time and money trying to get ahead of things and write a proposal. And then due to little communication, they find out at the, at the very end that, oh yeah, this is going to be set aside for small businesses. You can't bid. Or the other way around, small businesses think, I should bid because I can win this as a prime. And then they find out it's a full and open competition. And they have to compete against prime contractors who have a lot more proposal resources than them. And industries have it. I've noticed sometimes is despite how the RFP came out, comes out, they just scramble to get it done, to, to find it. I mean, I've, I've been in the, in the middle of helping a, a customer and three weeks before their RFPs do, they're still looking for a teammate. That can be done, okay? But that's not a good way to live. It's not sustainable. It's exhausting. And from the government perspective, when you expose it to fresh air early, even if it's ugly, you're going to get more engaged contractors. Because people who are really busy, customer con contractors, industry, who's really busy, they have to pick their targets. And the target that they've been mapping out for a long time, and it came out exactly or closer to what they expected, and the fresh air didn't change it, didn't oxidize it, that's the one that they're going to throw their effort into. So if you want to continue to get good contractors, make sure that you're communicating with them early. Even if, tell them, this is a draft RFP. We think it's pretty ugly, but we don't want to wait another month to send it out right. to you. Yeah. There's times when contractors have just not played it right and don't have teammates on board early enough. Even if things are exposed to air early enough, the, the, the way it goes wrong is if they don't know enough to build the team until the very end. Yeah. And then it's really late, especially on a complex, on a more complex acquisition. It's really hard to build the team and write a story about how that team is going to deliver what you expect them to deliver if it's all coming in the last 30 days or 45 days. And, and as a contracting officer, I remember putting out things that I thought, well, this is too early. They're going to complain. They're going to, they're going to have me all kind of be frustrated with me. That, that is going to happen. But again, if you tell them, this is, this is ugly. We know that going in. There's going to be people that are going to be jerks anyway, but you know that's it's pre-RFP. You don't have to respond to them. Just ignore it. The art is to expose it to air early enough that it's useful, that you can get feedback, that you can understand, yes, this is going to be a phosphorus bomb if I keep going down this path I'm on, but not so early that it's not clear what it's even going to be. It doesn't have any shape to it. Just like, well, we think we're going to award a contract in two years to do X. Well, that's too early. So that's an art. That is an art you have to figure out how, what's, what's right for, for your agency, for your uh, specific requirement. Industry, you can encourage this by actually responding. Review <laughs> the documents that are sent out, right? If, they, if the government sends out an RFI, send a response in and tell them what you think about the direction they're heading or what direction that, that would more likely get them what they want. And, you know, of course, that's going to be what they want is what you're selling. 
before the final RFP is out, when the government's still in a more open communication mode, it's a great idea to float your ideas for the story you're going to tell, for the solution that you're going to provide. You can expose that to air as well and get it in the government's mind ahead of time. Hey, I'm really excited to see this company's proposal because I know that their idea is this, right? It goes both ways. At a minimum, expose them to fresh air inside the team that you have to other independent folks. I mean, that's one of the things we help our customers with. I had three calls this week reviewing plans and and pricing strategies and proposal layouts for customers. But the idea is they're exposing their strategy to the fresh air of our team of former contracting officers. So there's different ways to do this. But in thinking terms of don't wait and say, ta-da, and then end up with a phosphorus bomb. Yeah, that's why there's so many levels of reviews in the usual proposal building process, you don't wait until red team. You don't wait until right before it's due to let people read and critique your proposal. <laughs> there, there's steps all along the way that, that allow you to iterate and get that feedback in early so you have time to incorporate it. And speaking of time, I think we've taken enough time for this one, so I will talk to you later, Kevin. All right, see you, Paul. Okay, if you enjoy our podcast, we invite you to check out the Skyway community at skywaymember.com. The community is where our members get together to talk to each other and to get answers to their burning questions from our team of contracting officers in the Ask a Contracting Officer forum. Members also get exclusive discounts on consulting support from our team of contracting officers. To learn more, give us a call at 877-884-884. 5280 or check us out at skywaymember.com. All right, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.